You are listening to audio from the Decidedly Podcast. This episode is a highlight clip from this week's full episode. To listen in on the complete conversation, see the show notes for the link to the complete show. You can help us out by leaving us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. We appreciate every bit of your support. I'm Morgan McKittrick, your producer, and this is Decidedly. This is the idea of touching a hot stove, all right, and immediately you pull your hand away, okay? We don't have to think about pulling our hand away. Our, our brain immediately says threat, pull a hand away. It doesn't wait for our logical conscious mind, okay? But, but in environments of high stress, right, our arousal is going to go up, and automatically, as we start to get more stressed and more anxious, our conscious mind is start to go, go offline. And so what we have to start understanding how to do is bringing our anxiety levels down, bringing that frontal lobe back online because it's only through our frontal lobe and our conscious mind that we can actually start decision-making and processing our environment. Um, we can do that several ways. You can do that. There's, there's, there's visual tools you can use to bring down your stress and anxiety. There's, there's um, breathing techniques you can do. Uh, once you bring that autonomic arousal back down, you then begin to ask questions about your environment that allow you to help start helping step through it. Okay. First question automatic is, what about this do I understand? <laughs> that list might be small, yeah. right? It might be like one or two things. <laughs> Again, what sure. you're doing is you're picking focus points, all right? And then you say, okay, from that list, what do I focus on in this moment? This is how I, I, I kind of almost call this uh, adjusting your horizons, right? So in other words, you're, you're picking a focus point that's meaningful to you and you're moving to that. And then what's happening is as soon as you hit that, you're generating a, a reward system in your brain. You get a dopamine reward for that which allows you to come back and say, okay, what's my next horizon? Let me give you an example uh, from SEAL training. Okay, SEAL training, again, like I said, you run around for hours and hours with boats on your head and on the beaches of Coronado, uh, especially during Hell Week in the middle of the night. I can remember during Hell yeah. Week at one point, we're, we're running on the beach with our boats on our head. We've been doing it for hours, right? And I don't know what god-awful time it was. We hadn't slept. And we're running along a, a, a sand berm just along the beach. And I remember being miserable. And I said to myself, oh, man, okay, you know what? I'm just going to focus on the end of this berm getting to the end of the berm. And that's what I did. I just focused and I got to the end of the berm. What I did without knowing it is I just picked a horizon. All right. And I moved. And as soon as I got to the end of that berm, I was like, oh, cool. Okay. And I gave myself, unbeknownst to me, of course, until I studied the neuroscience later on, I gave myself a dopamine reward, which, which allowed me to pick a new horizon. And I picked a new horizon and moved to that. Those horizons that you mm. pick are, are entirely up to you in terms of duration and, and length and, 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 um, and what they are. So for example, some guys will say, well, yeah. I just, I just thought about making it to the next meal. Whereas other guys, like you're freezing in the surf zone, sometimes like I'm just going to count to 10, right? That's my horizon, right? So yeah. So in in any challenging, uncertain environment in terms of moving through it, it's going to be about understanding your environment into to a, at least a small degree so you can pick a horizon, you can move to it, you can generate a reward in your in your brain, in your, neuro, in your biochemistry, you can come back out and do it again. You start stepping through. And this is really, these are micro decisions that you're making as you move through which are very effective, especially during deep and challenging stress. Yeah, I wasn't aware of the neuroscience behind it, but I did that during um, Ironman mm -hmm. triathlons. So mm -hmm. no matter how fit you are, you, something's yeah. going to go wrong. You know, either, you know, you get cramps, you get blisters on your feet, you know, it's hot, you're sweating too much, you know. What, they didn't have pretzels at the last aid station. Like there's always something that's just, <laughs> there's always something that you go, Oh my gosh, I could quit. Um, so I would, I would set little markers, you know, and, um, in the swim, 
it's hard because you can't you don't have any visual yeah, cues right. so it, i would just count strokes and then i would like think of a number and sometimes it'd be like a fun number like oh you know how many um you know what's my address okay so then i'm gonna count strokes up to my yeah. house number or whatever, like just, just so it wasn't just counting a hundred strokes and then counting a hundred strokes again and then counting a hundred strokes again forever. Um, you're like, oh, well, I'm going to count uh, 1,004 yeah. strokes. Yeah. Something what, that's meaningful you know, Whatever to you. it happened yeah, to be. That's right. Well, what you're doing then, it, you, what you're doing effectively, what you were doing is you were practicing compartmentalization because this is what that, this is yeah. what compartmentalization yeah. is and, and what it means is you're basically, you're, you're chunking your environment, you're setting and picking horizons that you move to. You're creating dopamine rewards when you do it, and you're up to, and then you're that that allows you once you accomplish that goal to do it again. And this is the way we can practice it. Man, this is what frustrates me with what my industry does is, uh, you know, in the financial planning industry, the the entire value proposition is we're going to help you meet your goals. Well, like goals are mm-hmm. a tool to get you somewhere that you want to be. Goals are not bigger than the goal. Yeah, yeah. the goal is not for the sake of having right. a goal, like you should have goals, but the, the, the goals are for the purpose of compartmentalization and they can be really small yes. and silly. Yeah. You know, it can be to the tune of I'm going to count 100 wow. swim yeah, strokes absolutely. and I'm, and I'm going to make it there. So it could be, I'm going to save, you know, whatever number, of, this amount of money this year. If that's the only thing you've got going to save, you know, a hundred thousand dollars this year or whatever it is, yeah, you're not going to end up anywhere and you're not going to stick with it and you're going to quit. Um, but I'm counting the swim strokes so that I can be yeah. an Ironman, so that I can finish this long, hours yeah. long race. I'm I'm setting the goal of saving $100,000 this year so that I can do something yes. else. Yeah. Um, and it's not so I can buy the house or so I can start a business or so I can do that. Because even those things, although they're more complex goals, have they have to be attached to something that's more meaningful. Well, they're than too them. big. It's, this, is, this, has is, to... this is kind of, the, you can't eat the whole elephant, right? And, and there's the saying at SEAL training, yeah. especially during Hell Week, and Hell Week starts on a Sunday, it ends on Friday. The saying is, if you think about Friday on Monday, you will quit, okay? You're not going to make it through. I didn't even think about Friday until Friday morning, right? Because you're always having to take it to bite-sized elements. <laughs> yeah. It's too big. I remember uh, talking to a guy at one of my talks, and he was he came up, he said, you know, Rich, I was... I was I was formerly obese. I was just super overweight, and he was a bar- he was a marathon runner by the way by that time. And he said, and he, and he and he became a marathon runner. I said, listen, tell me what did like how did you do it? What did you do? He said, well, the first thing I did when I made a decision, the first thing I did is I said, okay, I'm going to order a pair of running shoes. Right, step number one. Right, mm-hmm. running shoes show up. Oh, cool. Okay, um, tomorrow morning I'm going to put the running shoes by my bed. Gets up, the running shoes are by his bed. The next morning is I put on the running shoes and walk to my front door. That's what he did. Next day, he walked out of his front door to his mailbox. Next day, he walked from the mailbox to the end of the end of the street. Next day, from the end of the street to the end of the neighborhood, whatever. Slowly, over the course of days and weeks, began to slowly start running, then jogging. He ended up being a marathon runner, okay? He started by ordering a pair of running shoes. That was his very first goal, all right? So what you're saying is so true. Mm. Um, you know, he, he said I, his goal, his overall goal was to run the marathon, just like it might be someone to, to buy the house or, or get the retirement home or whatever. But you have to chunk it down because if you don't chunk it down, you're not creating reward systems that'll. Yeah, and if you sit there and go marathon, marathon, marathon every big. day, especially when you're not in a position to even you can't even comp- run, you one. can't even yeah. run a mile. You know, then then it's de- it's yes, demotivating. 100%. So that yeah, that's that's so fascinating. You know, I think that's another one of the 
the um, um, unknown knowns, the things that we know uh, that we are that we're not really sure that we have to know. And as an industry, I think certain people are kind of coming coming aware and going, "Oh, you know what? Goals for the yeah. sake of goals was not really not really what the higher purpose of this work was." You said something a second ago that I I, I want to highlight mostly because it it helps me feel better about myself. So did we have this a lot of that? I, I, every day, did we air that guy? Uh. We Okay. I didn't want to say his name, but we recorded an episode with a guy who came on and uh, we didn't air it because we didn't think he was, we didn't think it made any sense. We're like this. I think he's full of it. His, one of his big messages was decisiveness is, um, is not that good. And he said, well, we praise, you know, we praise people for making quick decisions, but they need to be more thoughtful and need to really take a slow approach because quick decisions can hurt. And these are all of the ways that being decisive um, is harmful. We were kind of looking at each other. We're super decisive. (laughs) We're very like, you know, we've taken assessments that say you are the 1% of decisive people. A lot of efficiency and speed in those decisions. (laughs) Yeah. And that's our, some of it is our impatient showing is we're just going to, you know, I'm willing to be wrong. I'm willing to make a decision and be incorrect, but I'm not going to sit here and just wait forever. Um, So I had to say that because I thought, say decisiveness and again i would just i would agree with you i i disagree with this guy because what i, I think what this guy doesn't realize is everything we do is a decision right and sometimes and, and this would happen yes. in in yes. combat mm-hmm. too yes. sometimes the decision is to do nothing sometimes the decision is to yes. wait yeah. right and stop that better be a conscious pause, decision right? yeah though. yeah but but and again yeah. even you know even you know well, again we're making unconscious decisions as well, all the time too so we have to recognize those we're, especially when we're starting to act you know without thinking you know so this fight or flight thing you know we, we're either freezing or, or we're either we're either stepping in or, or freeing or fleeing the key is also accountability i mean you have to buttress every decision with accountability because if you don't you're not effectively um uh analyzing the effects of those decisions right you make a decision you own it you start running down that pathway and you say to myself you say to yourself okay how's this working oh it's not working okay i'm going to make another decision right i'm going to change i'm going to do i'm going to yeah. do whatever but everything we do is a decision every single thing we do whether whether unconscious or conscious and i think the power in in what you all talk about is that the more we can take control consciously of our decision making process the more successful, the more powerfully, the more efficiently we act as human beings. And this is how the highest performing teams operate. The highest performing teams, the masters of uncertainty, we've all gotten to a position where in the deepest, most dire, most dangerous circumstances, we manage ourselves or we're making decisions. Sometimes those decisions are as little as I'm going to count to 10 right now, <laughs> you know, but that's still a decision. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and so I think it's, you're absolutely right. Life is about making decisions and, 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 yeah, of course, sometimes decisions should be made more thoughtfully. But but again, that's going to be based on what decision it is and what type of information you're, you're, you're gathering. And the decision might be, you know what, we're going to wait for more information on this one. That's the decision, you know, so. Yeah, waiting, waiting because um, waiting on accident is yes. harmful. Waiting, well, you know, not right now. Well, I'm not sure. Well, I don't and know. And I would almost say, you know, I, I would we'll, almost we'll say uh, that, that that's that's not even on accident as much as it's on fear. A lot of times people yeah. they delay because yeah. they, they fear making a movement. They fear making the wrong movement. And um, gosh, I mean, I, I'm a real believer that, you're, you know, sometimes the sometimes the right pathway is not going to even show up until you move far enough, far enough 
down the pathway to see it, right? You have to go over that next hill to see what other pathways there are, which means yeah. you have to start moving, right? Because because you're not going to figure it out unless you do, and you can't do that unless you start making decisions. How do you keep from, in SEAL work, there's a lot of, you know, I would think fear. I mean, if somebody's not afraid, they, they maybe haven't yeah. assessed the risk, but there's got to be a lot of uncertainty and there's there's got to be some anxiety that goes along with that to create that fear. How do you overcome that if you are in an uncertain situation where you're having to make a decision? Yeah, the, the first way you do it is because you've built a team uh, that, ha- that that operates uh, with immense proficiency and um we attain mastery of some of our basic things. And the SEAL teams, it was always like shoot, move, and communicate. We, we, we master those skills of shooting, moving, communicate to the extent we don't have to think about them, which means that frees up our mind to start dealing with the uncertain environment. Um, and then what we'll do is, is I think, and I think we get really good at doing this unconsciously is we'll, again, the decision-making process is first, number one, it's, okay, I'm going to collect all the information I can, or that's available to me. Okay. That's the first thing we do, whether it's a, a protracted decision where you're really collecting stuff, or it's a very rapid decision where you're saying, what about this environment do I understand? What information do I have available to me right now in this moment? Okay, based on that information, what's a priority list based on what I want to accomplish in this moment? Boom, 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 one, two, three. Okay, let's let's move on that first priority, all right? This process is basically buying down risk to, to a certain degree. But the other thing that you, I think you get very good at is being okay with risk, okay, we we ca- we often call it the eighty twenty uh, the eighty twenty rule, right? Um, we never ever had a hundred percent intelligence on a target, okay, ever. All right, so our whole thing was, listen, yeah, as long as we have a percent, it doesn't even have to be eighty percent. As long as we have enough of percentage to 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 allow us to decide something, let's just go ahead and move. Thanks for making the great decision to listen into this week's episode highlight. If you want more of what you just heard, see the show notes for the full episode. As always, for the latest decision-making tips, find us on decidedlypodcast.com or on Instagram at decidedlypodcast. And be sure to sign up for our weekly newsletter from the link in the show notes. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review as well. We read all of your comments, so if you learned some decision-making tips today, let us know. Until next time, this is Decidedly. Insights, advice, and comments provided by Sean Smith, Singer Smith, and speakers identified as part of the Decidedly podcast should not be considered recommendations. Speakers not identified as members of Decidedly are expressing their opinion, and their statements should not be construed as reflecting the views of the Decidedly team. This podcast is produced solely for informational purposes, not personalized advice.